Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. want to start a new series. I'm kind of done with the previous one on the family, so just go get hold of those CDs and listen to them. Build up your homes. We want to start a new series today, and I'm calling this the three specific role of the Holy Spirit. Three specific role of the Holy Spirit. That's what we want to deal with tonight. It's kind of a new series. Three specific role of the Holy Spirit. And our test is going to be from John 16. Reading from verse 1. Through 10. As a matter of fact, we start by 11. So, John 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that you shall not be offended. Now, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. This was to the close of his earthly ministry. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And this thing I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you ask at me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, Sorrow had filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the wall of sin. And of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So we can find the three major specific role that the Holy Spirit. It's going to be plain after Jesus left in a human form. 
So we can say this is in the spiritual manifestation. And the three major works that it's going to do is to convince the world of sin or reprove the world of sin. Why? Because they believe not on him of righteousness because I go to the Father and then of judgment because the prince of this world is being judged. So these are the three things that we're going to be considering in the next few um, studies. So to start with, we want to be dealing with the first one which has to do with reproving the world of sin. It said when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to reprove the world of sin. So we're going to deal with that aspect first before we come to convincing the world of righteousness. But if it may please you, let me say this. As we are going to progress, you'll be able to notice something. It is the world that the Holy Spirit will reprove of sin. Not the believers. But it will convince the believers of righteousness. You get to get that. To start with. Amen? But anyhow, let's just take time to go through. So first of all, what makes up the world? He will convince the world of sin. What world is he talking about? It's Jesus. No, we know the Hebrew, the Bible made us to understand that the world were framed by the word of God and they exist by the word and through him everything is existing. Now, which world is it convincing of sin? That's a question. Is it, is it talking about the trees? Is it talking about, you know, whatever you can see in creation, the animals, the forest? Is that the thing he's talking about? What world is it convincing of sin? All right. Come with me to John 1, reading for verse number 6. The Bible said there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lightened every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Don't get this wrong. The Bible says it will convince the world of sin. He came into the world and the world knew him not. No, no, no. So the question again is, is it that the trees did not recognize who Jesus is? Is that what we are saying? The plantations, the forest, the animals, is that what we are saying? But if we want to go a little bit deeper on that, what we can possibly say is the manifestation of the Christ, as it were, have not truly emanated into all things in creation. Why? Because creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Meaning that through the sons of God, creation will receive the light that they have not been able to acknowledge. And the simple reason because 
Creation fell because man fell. Remember, the Bible said the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but by reason of him we subjected the same in hope. What hope? Hope of the manifestation of the sons of God. And why is this so? Because you see, it is only when Adam seen that the ground was caused. Hello? Are you getting that? Good. The ground never survived anything. The ground never seen. The trees never seen. The animal never committed any offense. The Bible made us to understand they were caused because man was caused. Why? Because man was supposed to have dominion and to trend and to take care of the garden. So now man has fallen. Everything you need to manage also suffer the fall. So if man is restored to the place of glory, all creation is fully restored what? To the place of glory. So creation is waiting for man to be restored so that they too can be restored. You following this? Okay. Now I would like us to read this verse 10, 11, 12 from the Living Bible, if you can have it. John 1, 10 to 12. This is what he said from the Living Bible. But although he made the world, the world didn't recognize him when he came. Even in his own land, among his own people, the Jews, he was not accepted. Only a few will welcome and receive him. But to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Hallelujah. All they needed to do was to trust him to save them. Praise the Lord. So when we say he was in the world, we are just talking about, as it were, the commencement of everything that came into creation. His life was manifested. Remember, at the beginning was the world. Are you still there with me? So even if we are going to say he was in the world, it simply means the world came in through him. Therefore, he was in all that was created, if you will. Did you get that? So it was in the world. From his very commencement, he governed the universe, regulated his church, spoke through the prophets, all of those things you can imagine, the angels, whatever, he was in the world. Meaning right from time, the voice of the Lord has always been in place. But men have never recognized or acknowledged him. Did you get that? Right from time, Right from the fall, right from Adam, right through the ages, right through Noah, down to Abraham said, God's voice has always been on. He has always been in the world, but men have never recognized him. What that means is men have not recognized even the messenger that he has been sending. Are you getting this? So he was in the world, yes. Meaning he has always been there. He has always been speaking. Right from when he said, let there be light, God has always been in the world. Right from when he said, let's make mine an image, he has always been in the world. He has always been speaking through men, through angels. Right from the time of old to the present time, God has always been speaking. So he has always been in the world. There's never a time that God has not been in the world. There's never a time that God has ceased being in the world. He has always been in the world. And every day in your life, he is with you. But sometimes you don't even recognize him. He speaks to you in dreams and vision and revelation, but you don't know him. He has always been in the world. Are you following this? 
So the Bible said the world knew him not. What I mean is they did not acknowledge him. For it's not like the Jews in particular, the, the rulers. They knew enough that he was a great teacher sent by God. Nicodemus made a confession, but they never acknowledged him. He was in the world, but the world knew him not. He was not acknowledged, he was not accepted, though he had been in the world. When Nicodemus went to say, no man can do this thing except God be with him. That was supposed to be an acknowledgement. But remember, he never did that in the daytime. He did that only in the night. He was in the world, but men never acknowledged him. Again, the same thing is going on today. God can send his messenger to speak to you. But somehow, you also do not want to acknowledge him because you will not recognize that he is the one talking through his messengers. He was in the world. The world never recognized him. He made the world. The world never acknowledged him. The same thing that is going on. Hallelujah. So we find that Christ is manifesting himself by his providence, by his grace, and yet the foolish heart of man will not regard it. That is the truth. So just like I said in the beginning, it could be true visions. It could be true dreams. It could be true revelations. It could be true messages you hear it. Whatever. He has always been in the world. He has always been speaking. But the man that he's speaking to will not acknowledge him. And so you see, you read the Hebrew chapter, chapter 1 or chapter 2. The Bible will tell you God will spoke and sundry times. Right? In diverse manners. Through the prophets. He's speaking to us today. Through his son. He has been in the world speaking. Through prophets. Through angelic ministry. Through all the means he has been speaking. But men have never acknowledged him. That's what we're saying. He's been in the world. And one of the reasons God speaks is to turn man away from unrighteousness. Is that alright? It's to turn man away from unrighteousness. It's to turn him to him. It's to cause him to see where he has fallen. It's to make him to know that this is not the way you ought to be going. It's one of the major reasons why God speaks to man. Hallelujah. So here we find that the Bible says, He was in the world, but the world did not acknowledge him. Why is it that the world did not acknowledge him? What is the major reason why the world will not accept the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't forget what we're dealing with. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will convince the world of what? Of sin. Okay. John 3, turn with me. John 3, reading from verse 18. This is what it says. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, don't forget. He that believeth not him now is condemned already. So for me, judgment is already passed because without judgment there is no sentence of condemnation. Is the judge that sentenced somebody to imprisonment and sent another one to life imprisonment or to the gallows and said, sentence of death is hanging on you, so you go to the gallows. That is a judgment. So that's condemnation. So if that is the case, that means judgment is already taking place. Because without judgment, no condemnation. So now here the scripture says, therefore there remaineth no more 
condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. So, the man that have not received Christ is already a condemned man. <laughs> Before you talk of going to whatever you call judgment day, he's already a condemned man. That's what the Bible is teaching. Okay, look at verse 19. Let's see the condemnation. And this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world. And men love what? Darkness. Rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Is it simple? This is a simple definition. This is the condemnation. A light is coming to the world, but men love darkness. And they will not come to the light because of this, we are evil. This is the condemnation. So as long as man will not want to come into the light so that his deed will be exposed, he continues to abide in what? In darkness. And for abiding in darkness, he's already abiding in what? Condemnation. Hallelujah. So, now I want you to follow very well. The Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin. Talk with me to 1 John chapter 5 verse 19. 1 John chapter 5 verse 19. And we know that we are of God. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. We know that we are of God. <laughs> what do we mean we know that we are of God? Now, if we are of God, it means we are not of the world. Did you get that? That is why you see, the Bible says, Cain was of that wicked one. Have you read that in your Bible? So we're not like Cain who is of that wicked one. Then, the angel came to Mary, I mean to Joseph, and said, That which is in her is of the Holy Ghost. Are you getting that? So, if he says of the Holy Ghost, that means the Holy Ghost is responsible. The Holy Ghost is the source. The Holy Ghost is the factor responsible for the pregnancy. Cain is of the wicked one, meaning the wicked one is the source of the action of Cain. So if you are of God, mean God is the source of your life. Therefore, you are not of the world, but of God. So we have two people existing. Are you getting that? We have those who are of God. We have those who are of the world. Now, the convention is to the people who are of the world. Is it making sense to you now? So the Holy Spirit, responsible essentially, is to convict those who are of the world. But we are of God. So it doesn't convict you of sin. And I'm going to make you see what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. So we have God. Yeah, we're talking about we have the full proof of the truth 
of the fire that we are Christians who believe because to them that believe in him, he gave power to become what? The sons of God. Therefore, you are not of the world. We have the full proof of reconciliation to God through the death of his only begotten son. We have been reconciled. And the Bible says here, we are not of the world. We are of God. Is the world that doesn't know him, not those who are of God. Is that okay? He came into the world, the world received him not. Those who do not receive him are those who are not of God. But those who are of God have done what? They received him. Therefore, no more condemnation. Because we no longer dwell in darkness, we dwell in the light. So when we say the world... We are actually talking about not just the material world, but the people that dwell on the earth, including idolaters, all sinners of every grade and kind, wicked ones, and then the sense of which the world is under the control of the dominion of what we call Satan. That is the meaning. The apostles actually dealing with here. Let's turn to the book of John 17, verse number 14. Let's see Jesus say something again about this. Just like we read in 1 John 5, verse 19. We are of God. And that is very important. You read in the Bible, those little prepositions is so strong. We are of God. And so, in John 17, 14 through 16, this is what the Bible says. Jesus speaking says, I have given them thy word, and the world hated them. Now think about that. Is it the trees and the grounds and the planet that hate you for being a Christian? No. Those who hate believers is what the Bible is referring to as what? The world. Now the Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin. So here we go. It says, I've given them that world and the world hated them because they are not of the world. Very interesting. You are not of the world, so what of are you? You are of God. Remember that? First John 5, 19. Are you seeing it now? Good. They are not of the world, they are of God. Therefore, the world hated them. So, it's like Cain hating Abel. Are you seeing that? Is that because they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world? So, whatever Jesus was of, that is what we are of now. Then he says, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world. In other words, don't get them out of the globe. Don't get them into whatever anybody will want to call rapture. Don't take them away. <laughs> Hallelujah. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil or the wickedness or the trouble that is going to be on the world. Keep them. That's what the Lord said. He didn't say take them away. He said keep them. Protect them. Preserve them in the world. 
They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Are you seeing that? Don't forget where we're coming from. The Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin. So, which world is it convincing of sin now? Those who are not of God. And these are people. The people that hated those who are of God are the people that the Holy Spirit will convince of what? Of sin. Hallelujah. Look at another thing. Ephesians 1, 1 and 2. Ephesians 1, 1 and 2. Who are these people? Ephesians 1, verse 1. No, sorry. Let's go to Ephesians 2, please. Not Ephesians 1. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And you had a quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You followed that. Where in time past it worked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. In time past, that means for you this is past tense. So now because you are of God, this is not describing you. This is describing those who are of the world. So now, because they are living in this state, the Holy Spirit will have to convince them of the state they are living in. Hallelujah. Okay, move on. Let's read it from the Amplifier, if you can find it. Amplifier, Ephesians 2 verse 1. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and you, he made alive. That's the word quicken. To quicken is to vivify, to give to, is to bring back to life, if you will. How they made alive? When you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins. Trespasses and sins. Now, time will not be there to explain some of this, but understand this. That we have, how am I going to explain that? To trespass means to go beyond a point that is sent as a boundary. No, you put your, you put your, sometimes you see sound about no trespass. Have you, have you seen that? <laughs> that means don't step in here. It's not lawful. So, trespasses means you're doing what you are not supposed to do. You're breaking the rules. Is that okay? Alright. And you see, the word sin, you need to understand. Sin is not just what you do. Sin is also what you didn't do. <laughs> so sin is... You need, to, you need to get this right. We have what we call sin of omission and commission. You could commit a crime... That is a sin. Now, the sin of omission is, for instance, you were supposed to do a thing and you didn't do it. That is sin. It's called the sin of 
omission. You omitted doing what you were supposed to do. So we have sin of commission and omission. Is that alright? And even in first John, sin is simply described as the transgression of the law. Now these are different shades. So sometimes people talk about sin. They think sin is about maybe you killed somebody, you steal, you do this, you do. Yes, all of those things inclusive, but sin is so wide in description. There are issues where it has to be with the household of faith, becoming sin of trespasses and omissions. But for the man in the street, it's a man that is dead in sin and trespasses. For instance, I used to say this. The Bible, if the Bible defined for all, sin is a transgression of the law. Now, if sin is a transgression of the law, you tell me who has the law. For instance, if I'm in this country, you just can arrest me or less, maybe if I'm driving my car and here is the red light and I go through the traffic light, I can be arrested because I transgressed the law. The law said, if you see the red light, don't move on. Stop. Is that okay? So, it's a transgression because there is a law. But while there is no law, you can't transgress. So Paul was saying, there comes a time in my life when I was a free man because there was no law. But when the law came, I died. Are you following this? Now, see it this way. If sin is a transgression of the law, and Ephesians 2 is talking about those who are dead in sin and trespasses, it simply means they have no law. Because you see, the law is the man who lives in the system where the law is made. If these men are dead, then the law you transgressing cannot be the law. Because they can't obey rules. Dead men can't obey rules. So what does that mean? It simply means for me, the Bible is written for the believer. It's not written for the unbeliever. Because the unbeliever is dead in sin and trespasses. He is of the world. He's not of God. So the man that transgresses against the law is the one that is of God. Who has his laws and his rules. Is anybody catching what I'm talking about? Now let me explain further to you. You see, when Paul was, I mean, was it Moses now who said, Choose ye life and death. Why? Right, place before you life and death. Deuteronomy. Remember that? Say, I admonish you to do what? To choose life. What was he talking about? He wasn't talking to everybody. You can't in the truth and use that to go and preach to the man in the street because he doesn't have the sense of a choice. He's a slave to sin. The man that can choose is a free man. The book was not written for the man outside of Israel. Therefore, that word cannot go for the man that is outside of Israel. It is only the Israelites who have the law that have right to choose. Are you following this? Go <laughs> look at verse 2. It says, In which at one time you walk, one time, habitually. This is a habit. You were following the course and fashion of this world. We are under the sway of the tendency of the present age. Following the prince of the power of the air, 
you were obedient to and under the control of demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience. The callous, the rebellious, and the unbelieving. Who go against the purposes of who? Of God. So the men that are going against the purposes of God are the men that are under the influence of demonic spirits. Therefore, they can obey the rules of God. So, what is he saying? He says, sometimes you were like that, but now you are no longer like that. But the men that are still under the influence of the demonic spirit, these are the men that need to be convicted that they are sinners. Are you still there with me? <laughs> so, why is the spirit to convict the world? Come with me to Romans 3, verse 23. Hallelujah. He said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can you get that now? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look at Romans 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin, not sins. I want you to look at it. It's singular. <laughs> and if you watch what we're dealing with, it said the Holy Spirit will convene the world of sin, not sins. So, Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and dead by sin. Even so, death passed upon all men for that all have done what? Have sinned. Romans 5 verse 14. Nevertheless, that ray from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Very interesting. All have sinned. Adam transgressed. Why did he transgress? Because the world is saying, Thou shalt not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Are you there? So Adam went beyond the law, went beyond the rules that was given by God. So he transgressed. But no, I have explained to you several times here, Adam was actually not in the transgression, but Eve was. That's what the Bible says. Remember that? But Adam has to follow. Because like I told you some time ago, if Adam has not followed Eve to get out of the garden, Jesus will not die to save humanity. Because the mystery of Christ and the church is the same thing as Adam and Eve. Did you get that? So for Jesus to save the church, he has to become as the church. The Bible says he put on flesh to be able to identify with the ones he needs to reconcile. Are you following this? Good. So if Jesus had not put on flesh, he won't reconcile you. So when the Bible says he that ascended, is also he that descended. What that means is he left the realm of glory and became as a human being to partake of death. That through that he can save you. So then, Eve 
have to be driven out, but Eve can't go without Adam because if Eve have left the garden, that means the wife is separated from Adam, which is the man, meaning there is no way humanity will have been able to come to the place of salvation because Jesus will not be able to identify with the church. You see this? Making sense to you? So there is but one sin. Now, you see, help me Lord. David said the same thing. Seems some light. He said, In sin did my mother conceive me. Have you read that? The book of Sam? In sin. Did he say in sins? What that's supposed to mean? It means the factor of death was in my mother when he conceived me. That means I took death even when I was born. I was born dead because the factor of death was in my mother. Are you following this? I'm going to read the scripture now so that you can catch this properly. So the factor of death was introduced to humanity and it was there perpetually. Now, it is as you acknowledge Christ that this understanding comes to you of who you were and then there's a self-recovery through the sacrifice of Jesus. Let me show you this. John chapter 1 verse 29. The Bible said the next day, John said Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the what? Of what? Of the world. You see that? Not sins, one sin. So now, Jesus came to take away sin. And so if you acknowledge him, your sin is taken away. That the world, remember the sin is in the world. Now he came and the people did not acknowledge him. So the Holy Spirit is now present after he has left to convince the world of this sin. So that they too can be what? Can be saved. Are you following that? That's why he say, Of sin, because I go to my father and you see me no more. So, that singular sin, which is the factor of death introduced in the garden, that had kept men perpetually bound all the days of man's life, is what Jesus came to take away from the world. But man can no longer acknowledge that. So he said, the Bible says, he came into the world and the world will not receive him. They won't acknowledge him. By implication, they can come to the realization that this factor of sin needs to be taken away from our life so that we now become that which is of God instead of of the world. Remember what he said. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's one sin. It's not the sin you sin every day. So, when did that happen? All of sin and come short of the glory of God simply means when Adam sinned, the glory left. Did you get that? 
Adam lost the glory because of one sin. Jesus came to take help me, Lord. He came to take away the factor of that sin which Adam committed. Now, if that factor is taken away, what's the next thing that's supposed to happen? The restoration of the glory. Am I making sense to you? Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse number 6. You see, when we are reading that John 1, it's already connected to the prophecy of Isaiah. 53, verse number 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought us a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before her sharers is dumb, so he opened not what? His mouth. This is what John was saying, Behold, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Are you following it? So when we're talking about, Behold, the lamb of God. Help me, Lord. Now, follow this. In Israel, there were basically daily sacrifices. Morning and evening, as the case may be. So we have the evening sacrifice, we have the morning sacrifice. And these sacrifices were provided by men who have seen. So, if I were to be in Israel, I take my sacrifice to the high priest. He's got to kill the lamb, take the blood to the most holy place, comes out and say, you're blessed, your sins are forgiven. Is that okay? Now listen, this is the lamb of God. That is supposed to be the lamb of men. Just cast that phrase. Meaning, this is the lamb God provided, not the one you provided. (laughs) <laughs> Are you still there with me? This is the lamb of God. This lamb belongs to God. Not the one you are providing to take away your sin. God is providing a lamb to take away now your sin. The lamb of God. Meaning men have their lambs, but God has his lamb. Are you getting this? Meaning, hey, stop all your struggles to please me with your lambs. I have a lamb that I've already accepted. So if you accept God's lamb, your sins are forgiven. Are you following this? It's the lamb of God. I want you to capture that. If that's the only thing you can pick tonight, fine. The lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. God is saying, you got seen that animals, blood, and sacrifices cannot take away. I'm going to provide my own lamb to take away your sin. So, the lamb of God, John is speaking. When he saw him come, he said, this is the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. One sin. Meaning, you could try the best you can in offering as many lambs as you can, but it can't go down to the root of your problem. 
The root of humanity problem cannot be affected by how many lambs you're going to offer. So he said, I'm providing myself a lamb. Hallelujah. So John said about Revelation, that is the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So what is he saying? The problem of humanity can only be raised through the sacrifice of, of Jesus. It doesn't matter what anybody's going to say. One lamb that God have offered. The Lamb of God. Are you still there? Now this factor of men coming to the awareness that I need Christ for my sin to be taken away is what we are saying. The Holy Spirit will make men come to that realization. For you, you already have realized this, so this Holy Spirit have no need to talk to you about that. Are you still seeing it now? He said... The Spirit will convince the world of sin. Not you. Because already there is, you are no longer under condemnation. You have overcome that issue. You have accepted God's own lamb. You are not struggling to offer a lamb or provide a lamb for yourself. Like the Israelites were doing. One lamb that take away the sin of humanity. Hallelujah. One lamb. <laughs> Not many lambs, one lamb. Not many sacrifices, one lamb. That take away the sin of the whole world. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When you start living in the glory of God, you should be able to understand that that which affected Adam can no longer affect you. Because the factor that made you not to experience what Adam was supposed to have before the fall have been taken away. Are you sitting there with me? In the true sense, you can preach that to be a believer. You can't come to church and be preaching all I've seen and conscious of the glory of God. No, it's past tense. <laughs> Are you sitting there with me? In my new state, you can't tell me about that. That is not for me. You should be talking to me about God's righteousness right now. Convincing the world of sin has to do with the man that has not known Christ. But convincing me of what God's righteousness is, is what I need to hear. Are you still there with me? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Friends, listen to me. I, I was having an issue with a friend recently. I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago. He's a good brother. But here is this guy trying to... I don't know what it means. He's trying to get off... I mean, use the word, get off the truth of God's word just because he has a revelation... He could win Muslims to God. Now he's almost becoming a Muslim. No. There is nothing in Islam, sorry to say, that can save mankind. Amen. There is no scripture. It's not even in the Quran. All we know that he was a prophet. We are not talking of somebody being a prophet. We are talking about the son of the living God. These are two different people diametrically opposite so there is no way you can prove to me in any way that we are serving the same God no we are not serving the same God 
Hallelujah. I, I can enter a mosque if you will, if I wanted to. But I can only do that if I have a reason to ensure. Like Paul will say, I've become a Jew to win the Jews. I've become a Gentile to win the Gentiles. I've become all things to all men. If by so doing, I may win them to Christ. That should be the only reason. But not because we are all serving or worshiping the same God. That is not true. Jesus died and rose. Muhammad didn't rise. <laughs> are you still there with me? He died and is buried, but Jesus died and rose. We are serving a living God. He said, I was the one that was dead and I'm alive again. I have the key of David. How many of you understand that? He is alive. He's not buried in the grave. We are not serving just one prophet. We are serving a living being. Are you following this? I'll see you next week.